Hi, I'm Tomislav Poljak, and you're listening to the Functional Tennis Podcast. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm Fabio Molle, your host. This week, I speak to agent and tournament director, Tomislav Poljak. Tomislav is an agent for boutique agency Starwing, who look after players such as Sinner, Monfi, Wawrinka, and a few more stars. Tomislav is also the tournament director for the Croatian Open, an ATP Tour 250 event in the beautiful seaside resort of Umag. He tells us about his brief playing days, moving into agency world, what's required to be an agent, as well as what makes boutique agencies such as Starwing special. We then chat about the Croatian Open and the challenges he faces running it, as well as what he loves about it. It's a super chat you can't miss. As usual, a shout out to our podcast sponsor, Slinger, who make the awesome portable ball machine, the Slinger Bag. Here's Tomislav. Tomislav, welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. How about yourself? I'm good. Uh, I'm jealous of you. You're sitting in UMAG now, a beautiful resort, which, as I was saying to you, I was meant to be going the end of September to play in the World Vets, but I'm not going due to obvious COVID reasons. But tell me, how's life in UMAG? How much time do you spend at home there? Yeah, I mean, in, in the new normal, as we call it nowadays, I, I spend much more than I would nor- in, a, in, a, in the old normal normal world but uh, yeah it's good it's super calm as you can as you can imagine uh, when you know the, the busy months end uh, July August and let's say mid September then it becomes really calm and you know with a with a small kid that i have and a family it's it's really nice but you know it's it's obviously uh, good to leave from time to time to mingle in the tennis world yeah, I'd say it's got tougher, especially in your line of work, in the agency work where mingling is a big part of it and you need to travel a good bit, see the players, see new players. That must have been extremely challenging. How did you work around that? I mean, yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. It was super challenging and yeah, of course it's uh, it's a big part of our of our job and very important to, you know, build relationships, keep the current rela- existing relationships going so you know we we spent obviously a lot of time on our phones as as we do normally speaking to clients you know trying to cheer them up also in the in the months and weeks that we were all basically locked down and tennis tennis uh wasn't happening basically uh during those four to five months of 2020 but yeah we try to travel as much as we can now things are starting to open as we see or already have opened quite a bit so it's it's super refreshing to see the people that you normally see on a on a monthly basis let's say nice and okay well let's cut it back a few years now not too many years thankfully your tennis how much tennis did you play you had a brief stint i saw on was it the satellite tournament yeah yeah i think i was uh, martin the, the major that you probably found was on the ITF Junior circuit. Uh, I think it was, no, I think it was definitely Marin's first ITF title in Mostar in, in Bosnia and Herzegovina, very close to Marin's hometown of Medjugorje. So yeah, I mean, my tennis career was was average at best. You know, I, I was a decent junior on a, on a Croatian level in a, in a good generation of players. Uh, you know, the generation of 88 of, in Croatian tennis uh, featured you know, obviously Marin as as the top guy, but also Nikola Mektic, who's today super successful in doubles. Yeah. Uh, at one point, we had uh, four guys in the top 10 in the ITF juniors back then. 
and I was just a year a year uh, older than these guys. So I had the privilege of knowing Martin since we were kids. Basically, had him you know sleep at my home, practice a bit with him uh, in those younger days. So that was a treat. And you know, I I remember I beat him first time we played, and I never ever ever came close to him. So that's my tennis background. You know, I was I was super average and maybe played a couple of it was satellites, I guess. Yeah, or maybe maybe the beginning of futures. That was what, two thousand and four, perhaps, something like this, but I never had an ATP point or something. So when I say average, I'm being kind to myself. I know. Look, you were you were surrounded by good people, so that that raises your level all already. But and that loss, that win, sorry. He can never take that away from you. You'll always have. Yeah, that. He was he was twelve years old. I was thirteen. You know, I, I still remember qualies of national championship in Zagreb. I mean, crazy, crazy where it goes back to. But uh, but yeah. But anyway, I think I played him like seven or eight times after that. Never ever ever came close. And nice. And what did you do? So you made the decision not to play the pro tour. When did you move into agency work, or was there some other work in between? Yeah, there. I mean, I had an option of going to to US for college, you know, getting a scholarship and stuff like that. I decided not to to pursue that that path. Um, got into journalism to to be honest, because that's that's what I went to college for. I worked in the biggest daily Croatian newspaper called Jutarni List, uh, covering tennis. And uh, yeah, that's how I got into the management and the agency side of our business because I met uh, Lawrence Prankopan, who is obviously the owner and the CEO of Starwing Sports that I work uh, for today for the last seven years. Um, I met him through journalism. He was managing Borna Choric back then, who was an up-and-coming Croatian player, just won the US Open. And that's, that's how it all started, basically pure coincidence, I would say. Nice. And how's that journey been? When you started working, were you with juniors first of all, or did you go straight to managing higher level players? I mean, back then, Starwing Sports was, we still are a boutique management agency, and I think we will always stay boutique. But uh, back then, it was just a few clients. You know, Lawrence was basically uh, working with Nico Lamperan, uh, Gail Monfises, and uh, Christina Mladenovic's long term agent. And there was nobody else in the team. So I, I uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I I needed to, you know, scout at junior tournaments, uh, dealing with junior clients. But he had few junior clients back then. Uh, but sometimes, you know, he needed a hand with Stan Wawrinka or any other of our top clients uh, that, that, you know, needed some some assistance. So, yeah, most of the of the work back then was was junior clients, but, you know, there was already, I got in touch with the top level tennis in, in, in a matter of months, which was obviously life-changing for me. And you guys now have a nice roster of players between Wawrinka, Sinner, I'm not sure, what are the big names? Kashinov with you guys? Karen, exactly, Karen Hachanov, uh, Gail Monfils is a part of our of our agency. Kyle Edmund is a part of our agency. Daniel Altmar, the up-and-coming German uh, who had a great run in French Open last year on the women's side. Um, Joe Conta, Maria Sakkari, who's playing fantastic in the tennis in, in the last couple of years. Kristina Mladenovic, as I already mentioned, Kaya Yuban, the Slovenian that I, I remember was was your guest in the podcast yeah. maybe a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Ivana Jorovic, uh, the Serbian, Serbian player and uh, the 
French Open girls champion Linda Noskova, just to name a few. We also have a lot of a lot of um, couple of very very interesting juniors, up and comers. So we we have a good good team, a good roster in our agency. You're a bit bigger than a boutique agency, I imagine. You may say no, but look, you've a lot of quality players there, and I thought a boutique agency may have a bit less and more juniors, maybe. But I'm sure you've loads of juniors. But if I can jump in, I mean, when it comes to when it comes to boutique, what, what we pride ourselves in is. You know, we have 20 clients currently, junior and, and pro, and we have seven agents uh, taking care of these 20 clients. So that's a fantastic ratio where basically every client that we sign and we're super selective and, and that's that's the most important thing that, you know, Lawrence has taught me and everyone else that joined in the team later is that, you know, we, we will only sign special ones. And, and we when we find someone who is super special, we... We try to get him. Obviously, some some battles, some recruiting battles, you win. Some some yeah. you lose. But it's not like if we lose a recruiting battle that we will try to find the next guy just to replace this guy we, or or girl. We we never do that. You know, we we are super patient and and really looking for for uh, someone who we feel can be special. Like for instance, you know, with Yannick, uh, it was a long uh, recruiting battle. We won it in the end, and we're super proud to be able to represent one of the, if not the, the most exciting talent in tennis nowadays. That's great. And what do these battles come down to? Is it relationship? Obviously, there's percentages in there as well. There's contracts you can guarantee them. What does it really come down to? Why would they choose you over IMG? I think, you know, it comes down to a lot of things. But if you if you go into, into the details of of what it what it comes down to, I would say you know the the pure feeling. That's the ultimate thing that a player, a client needs to go with. Because ultimately, you know, you these relationships are quite um, intense. You know, they are. You you your agent is there through thick and thin. You you know you you build kind of like a sometimes older brother uh, relationship with him. So you need to like the guy first of all. You know, it's. Uh, and you need to be able to, you know, pick up the phone when an agent calls you, vice versa as well, obviously. So it's, it's, I think it comes down to feeling. Obviously, you have a lot of, a lot of numbers, as you say, percentages, uh, investments, guarantees, this and that. But I, I would say it comes down to feeling. And when it comes to, you know, choosing us or whoever you want to, you know, is it an IMG or someone like that? I think it's, you know, it's. I wouldn't say we're even competitors to IMG because IMG is a completely different animal, completely different, uh, completely different business model, completely different uh, way of dealing with clients. So it's it's simply you know some people are made to be with IMG, some people are made to be with some other agencies, and I think that when you when you start talking to agencies as a player and as a parent or whoever is advising the player, I think you you realize that quite very soon that this is one business model that that's a completely uh, different business model and and I don't see much similarities between the two maybe you can tell an outsider can you tell us what the difference is if I'm I have a young 13 year old son who's you know he's going to be a top 10 player I don't actually but just say I did uh, <laughs> and you guys see him and all of a sudden you know IMG guys are calling you're calling what is the differences Depends on what you're looking for. You know, I'm I'm not saying someone is better than the other one, but you know, if, if there's a big difference, if you're an agent and you have 
you know, three clients that you take care of and you're taking the fourth client on board and uh, as opposed to, you know, having tens of clients or, or, or yeah. whatever. And we see, you know, we see this, this ratio that I was talking about earlier, you know, having basically three to four clients per per agent. We see this as being our, our big, big advantage over some other agencies that don't have this ratio. That's for me, that's, that's the biggest difference. Obviously, you know, there are, there are great agents out there in, in various agencies. There are people that know how to do this job that are super experienced in it. But, you know, it, it also depends on what you're looking for. Like I said, as, as a parent or as a player, if you're looking for, you know, um, a family, family, um, what you call it, family oriented, uh, uh, surrounding, or you're looking for maybe you know some glamour, some showbiz, some it 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 all depends. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I see a bit like some academies where, you know, somewhere like Piatti, it's a family academy, let's say, exactly. and then some bigger academies is more of a commercial enterprise, and and it and it doesn't necessarily. Sorry to interrupt. It doesn't necessarily mean that you as a player won't make it in a big academy. You know, it's big in terms of number of you know uh, players uh, practicing there and stuff like that it's just you know it's not everything is for everyone uh, you cannot you cannot maybe someone doesn't feel comfortable with piatti where i agree it's a perfect example of of a family uh, setting uh, that yannick be- benefited from obviously hugely in his career yeah, no, you're right. It comes down to what the person feels comfortable with. But you did mention that, let's say, let's take IMG, for example, you don't think they're not competitors of yours, but I know, well, I think I know that, let's say their tennis division do see boutique agencies as big competitors. With the amount of boutique agencies now, you've definitely come in and before the market was nearly all theirs and you guys come in building these personal relationships with younger players, you've actually made their job, from what I can see, a lot harder. So. Uh, I think you guys are causing trouble for the big guys. I mean, I I hope so. <laughs> I hope you're right. Um, and I would tend to agree. But, you know, also, you know, people that started these boutique agencies are also people maybe that are coming from these big agencies that used to work for these big agencies and also got to know them from the inside. You know, someone like Lawrence Frankopan, you know, worked in IMG for 10 years and then set up Starwing and, in 2012 or end of 2011 so he has now 10 10 years of experience uh, doing this on his own and he has a fantastic track record of what he's achieved you know um from his stories and listening to how it was back in the day uh when he used to work for for IMG maybe IMG was you know also a bit different and and he maybe took the the good stuff out of the IMG and maybe left something that that he didn't want to you know again work work um, the same way that they are they are doing now so i think you know are we causing problems for them yeah and, and i think it's good for for the players in yes. the end because they have you know more options they have a, a diverse uh specter of of agencies that can really you know you can you can hit it off with someone and then it can be super beneficial for your career uh, moving forwards i guess nice long-term relationships long-term brother definitely and when you look at players, let's say, first of all, how do you come across players around the world? And two, what exactly are you looking for in a player who you think could make it? 
I mean, there's no, I'm not going to tell you how I find yeah. my players, you know, that no, obviously, no. or we as a, we as a group. Uh, I, you I look at functional we, tennis, that's how you do it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We, we do, we do. Um, no, but I mean, you know, we, we obviously have a web of people uh, that, that, you know, help us. Uh, you have obviously some tournaments that you go to, you know, I'm, I'm traveling to Le Petit in, in France uh, soon. And uh, this year play is it's played in September, which is super, super unusual for all of us. Uh, but uh, I'm just, you know, there is, you need to be there first, obviously, or it helps if you, if you see a player first. Uh, but what are you looking for? You're looking for, you know, you're looking for special. You're looking for different. Obviously, markets make a, a big, big difference. Uh, it's obviously, you know, uh, coming from a bigger market is something a, a player will definitely be more appealing to to an agency. But on the other hand, you know, a good player is a good player. You know, is Serbia the biggest market in the world? Definitely not. But is is Novak Djokovic a, a big brand in tennis? And and uh, a legend, definitely, you know, he is. So, uh, for instance, just one example, we recently signed a 12-year-old kid that I'm sure you're going to hear a lot about in, in, in the years to come called Svit Sulic from Slovenia. And, you know, Slovenia is obviously, you know, 2 million uh, people country. So it's not it's not the biggest market in the world. But, you know, if you play your cards right and if you have a, if you have a good good project on your hands it doesn't make that big of a difference yeah the world becomes your market then if exactly yeah join over ten thousand people who have downloaded our free match and practice pdfs over at functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads our match and practice pdfs help you plan and evaluate your matches and practices we have some other free downloads there for you too so make sure you go over to functionaltennis.com forward slash downloads and that's really interesting, the whole recruit. We see, you know, we see a lot of videos. I post a lot of videos and we get parents and coaches and, and agents as well, by the way. I 100% know they use functional tennis. They see some players that we find video of and it goes, I think we should start getting some fees and all this. <laughs> uh, I definitely think we need some fees because I know players have signed for agencies that have been first spotted on our account, Whoa. elder accounts as well. But not, I don't know how many, but I do know there's a couple but anyway, good reference for you. You should start. You should start talking about commissions, definitely with yeah, with would, various people. Let's start now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I still didn't do that. I still didn't do that. But let's see. Let's yeah. See. So Maybe. okay. Let's. That's. So that's your. You know, that's your. That's your day job. Your year-round job where you're looking for players. You're taking care of players. You're sorting out their problems and giving them opportunities. But you also have a nice little. Uh, well, I won't say nice tough job on the side running. Uh, running you the Croatian Open. How did that come about? Is that a Starwing project or is it different? Yes, yes, yes. I, I wouldn't call it a side project because everything is obviously Starwing is everywhere in terms of whatever I do in the tennis world. It's it's related to Starwing, and uh, I mean we've been as an agency we've been uh, running or managing the event from 2015 when Lawrence became the tournament director, um, but. Um, since I moved to Mug, and since I obviously, you know, was heavily involved in the in the project, being the only creation working for Starwing, I, um, you know, we we made the decision of switching these roles just because it's it's more convenient. You know, for instance, there's a there's a local media here or in Croatia or everything, you know, wanted 
they want to talk to the tournament director, it's much easier for me to be have to have that role and and to do these things. Obviously, than 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 Lawrence. Um, as we worked as a team, we in the past five to six years, we we continue to do that. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, super exciting. I I kind of grew up with this tournament. I I served as a line umpire here. I used to you know visit it with my parents back in the day. I used to work as a journalist, you know, covering uh, the UMAG tournament, and now I'm the tournament director. So it's a bit of a, <laughs> it's not the, the most usual story in the world. And on the other hand, you know, being a tournament director on the ATP tour, I cannot lie, it's it's super flattering. You know, you're you're sitting in in meetings with guys that you 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 started playing tennis with, uh, watching them. You know, uh, sitting next to the likes of Todd Martin, uh, Michael Stich, who was uh, a tournament director up to a couple of years ago, you know, the likes of Željko Franulovic, who is, who is obviously a legend, uh, a tournament director of, of Monte Carlo. Now guys like David Ferrer, Feliciano Lopez coming in, you know, sometimes you asked about my tennis career when I said average, I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's super flattering and it's super challenging, obviously to, to, Earn some respect in, in in a room like that, but you know I'm 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 trying my best, totally and I obviously have a have a great sorry a great great uh, not ally but a mentor in in Lawrence who obviously is a is a super big name in the tennis world. Nice. And when does preparation start? Does it start the day after the final? I know it sounds like a cliche, but it does. You know, for instance, when. <laughs> I, I guess you're most interested in the tennis side of the event because mm, this event has many layers. You know, it's known, I think, on the tour for being a super relaxed kind of party event, uh, afternoon and evening matches and, and stuff like that. When it comes to tennis, you know, sometimes you you like to do or we like to do these multi-year deals with young players like we did with, you know, Andre Rublev in 2015. Then he won his first ATP title in Umag as a lucky loser. That was a great story. <laughs> they they almost left uh, him and his coach uh, Abraham, who works alongside uh, Fernando Vicente still. And they were. I was going uh, from the players' restaurant to to the stadium, and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna stay one more day." I'm like, "Guys, you're gonna stay a bit more." They're like, "Ha ha ha!" I was like, "No, Borna Borna is not playing. Borna Choric is pulling out." He, he had some problems with his neck. Ah ha ha! You're kidding. No, I'm not, guys. You're you're playing. You're playing uh, Paolo Lorenzi in, uh, in a couple of hours. No way, no way. And then he won. He won the title without dropping a set, I think, or maybe maybe just dropped one set on route. So you know, having these guys, you know, trying to help them when they are young, trying to give them some wild cards. I think that's something that's something that we're super good at. You know, we we gave a wild card to Holger Rune um, this year. We we uh, tried to do it with Carlos Alcaraz last year. The tournament didn't happen. You know, had him this year. He won the tournament, won his first ATP title in in Umag. So I think you know that's that's something that we're most proud of. You know, Yannick took a wild card there in 2019. Felix Auger took it in 2018, I believe. Uh, so there's a nice little group of players, you know, that we had over the past couple of years. Were you trying to sign Holger this year with the wild card? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Holger was already Holger was already signed. It's not something that we 
that we try to do. You know, we we don't use this as a tool for for starring. We use it as a tour, tool for the tournament to build relationships with these players, because you know the the date of Umag and the whole post Wimbledon clay mm-hmm. swing. Uh, you know, you're not gonna get Nick Kyrgios to play it, and not yeah. for Nick Kyrgios being Nick Kyrgios, but we know what we, he thinks about uh, Clay and post Wimbledon Clay. So uh, it's uh, it, it's a tough week. It's it's always challenging. So our again strategy is very clear. We're focusing on the next generation, identifying who these players are, and then you know helping them when they're young, building relationships with them, showing them how, what a great tournament and a venue mug is and hopefully linking them to the tournament for the years to come. Yeah, no, that, that was one of my questions for you. Like, how do you deal with the challenge of it being after Wimbledon? Gestad is on and there's something on in South America. Is there Central America? There's a tournament on. Mexico is... It depends. Los Cabos. This year we were the week of Los Cabos and Gestad. You know, two fantastic events. Yeah. You know, Gestad had a fantastic player field this year. But you know, it's it's again super tough. Maybe Gustav this year is a, is a great example of how tough it is. Even when you have a great player field, you know, you have Shapo as the top seed losing second round after being by first round. Bautista good the same. Um, you have Garin losing, I think, quarters or something like this. So it's it's not easy. You know, it's not easy even when you when you have a, a great player field. And sometimes when you don't, I mean, we didn't have. As good as a as player field uh, like like Gustav had this year, we had an Alcaraz Gasquet final, which I take every day of the week. You know, great story with uh, you know our biggest name in in Gasquet in terms of his career and everything that he's achieved over the last twenty years, and and an up and coming star in in in, in Alcaraz. So you know, it, it's a it's a dogfight. There is not a lot of uh, players available to play these weeks, but we try to do our best. Do you have it in the star wing, guys? You gotta play you, Mag, or we don't think. <laughs> I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. Also, you know, for uh, we we've tried a couple of times. Sometimes, you know, it didn't work with some injuries, last minute injuries. You know, it's 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 not ideal. The players who focus on play are maybe you know more keen to play those weeks. We don't have a lot of these guys in our roster. These types of players. So um, yeah, of course we 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 use those cards when we when we can and when we need to, but we cannot use them, you know, if if it doesn't make sense for the player. Obviously, it sounds like a great tournament, as you say, relaxed. Easy. It reminds me of the Bastad in Sweden, where they have that party atmosphere, they do the white party, and it has that feel to it. Would I be right? You, you you're absolutely right. I've never been to Bastad, to be honest. I know they're doing a great job, and the tournament director there. Krister um, is 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 obviously a fantastic and ex- super experienced guy. I always ask players uh, coming from Boshta to Mag, you know, what's the difference? What's the feel? And they're like, yeah, it's pre- pretty similar event. So it it sucks to be honest when we're the same week for the players as well, uh, as well for you know for us as well and for the players. But um, yeah, maybe 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 we have slightly better weather than they yeah. they do. That's, that's the only thing. So. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's that part of the season, you know, not joking about obviously the Nick stuff and uh, that part of the season, you know, attracts a lot of crowds, regardless of, of uh, you know, 
if you look at Bustad, if you look at Kidsbill, Kidsbill is a fantastic event. We're we're going same week as as them next week next year. You know, they have they have sold out uh, sold out stadium basically every day in the week. You know, a great hotel, great food. Uh, players enjoy enjoy playing Kidsbill as well as as they do Umag and 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 Hamburg as five hundred is is that part of the year. So I think it's a very very important important part of the season for for tennis in general and the ATP tour. Nice. And is dealing with maybe the up and coming players, the younger players, probably a bit easier than dealing with the more known players where they're a bit less easy going? Mm, not necessarily. Or a bit more a bit more easy going. No. Not not necessarily. Not necessarily. It it all comes down to character and I wouldn't I wouldn't be brave enough to say, you know, to go this way or that way when it comes to what you asked. Um, you know, we have like someone like Fabio Fognini played Umag 10 out of the last 12 years, wow. you know. Um, he's super, super good guy. Super good guy, you know, super easy to deal with. Super nice, you know, comes here with Flavia. Now they're going to, you know, Flavia is pregnant again, if I'm not mistaken. So that's going to be the third child. So, wow. you know, they're going to have a bunch of little... Fonini's running around, oh, yeah. and, you know, it's, it's, it's great. They, they, I, I hope they enjoy it every time they, they, they come and we enjoy having them. So it's, it doesn't necessarily mean that someone, you know, who is older, even on the contrary, sometimes, okay, sometimes yeah. these guys know mug inside and out, they know it better than we do, you know, so they know how to enjoy themselves here and, and play some good tennis. I'll have to put it in the calendar next year. So get over a few days. Yeah, definitely. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Uh, so last, how do you split your time? Like, I know it's ongoing throughout the year, but does it ever get, is there times of the year where planning sponsors are really heavy and then you can take some more relaxed time off? Um, you mean when it comes to UMAG or when it comes to the agency? Part both of, the, of them, managing both, both. of them together. I mean, our job is 24-7, definitely, uh, 365 days a year, you know, not answering a call or it, it doesn't exist uh, in our world. So um, obviously there are some weeks in the year or let's say maybe when I finish dealing with Umag, you know, my colleagues help me out because, you know, maybe I need a breather uh, for a week or, or 10 days or something like this. And, you know, we help each other out, but um, I, I wouldn't say there are, you know, there are no dead weeks, of course, Christmas, New Year. It's not like, you know, anybody's going to pick up the phone in, in, in the companies that you're dealing with. But, uh, but yeah, normally you don't have a season where you would say, oh, you know, the fall is so slow or, or something like that. I'm not really. So do you get to take any holidays with your family, like a couple of weeks? Um, I mean, this job, you know, gives you a lot of freedom. If you're responsible, if you're, um, if, you know, you're on your phone and your people can reach you, basically you can, you can be wherever, wherever nice. you want. If, if, uh, but on the other hand, you know, if you need to, if you need to wake up at three in the morning to have a phone call because you have a, South American client, you do that because yeah. that's if it's if it's you know if, if you need to do that, you do that. So there are pros and cons, but uh, everyone who's trying to get into this world, I would I would definitely say it's it's a super interesting and super fun job. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Obviously, if you love tennis, it's great. And I'm sure if you look amazing, looking after people and a bit of negotiating, you guys are tough negotiators. That's what I've learned. <laughs> 
<laughs> we 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 try to we try to but i i would say you know the best part of the job is 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 scouting for talent that that for me at least for me that's the most interesting and the most um rewarding uh, part of my my job i remember one year in in orange bowl uh court number six in the frank veltry club where orange bowl 18s is played nowadays and 16s so you have like six courts one to six the six court being the furthest away you know you have alligators running around nobody's there i think it was third round of, of orange ball i'm watching tsitsipas uh, shapovalov you know with the uh, apostolos sitting on one side and adriano furivia uh, dennis's longtime coach on the other side and nobody else except me you know so yeah. that's that's something special you know watching them nowadays obviously i enjoy but i always go back to how they looked and how they acted back then so that's that's um, that's that's a huge pleasure for someone who likes tennis I, I i completely agree and from your experience seeing these juniors come true do you find that the better ones act a bit better you know they're a bit more mature at a younger age well i mean tough to say again <laughs> when uh, funny you say that because i remember in that match exactly Dennis was not, you know, he was not acting maybe the way uh, a young guy aspiring to go somewhere would. And then you, you know, you speak to the coach afterwards and he's like, look, it's his, his first trip. It was a four week trip. You know, they played Mexico, the grade A, the grade one, and then Bradenton, uh, Eddie Herr. And then, you know, he, he never had a trip as long yeah. as that, you know, and he just had enough of traveling, wanted to go home, et cetera, et cetera. So, you, you see maybe a bad reaction from a young player who's obviously, you know, he's Denis Shapovalov, super talented at 16 years old. A lot of people are already talking about him super highly and stuff like that. You need to take into account what's behind that bad reaction or maybe a, a set of bad tennis, bad attitude, blah, blah, blah. And you cannot maybe take one of these things. You, you see them and then you just say, ah, oh, this guy will never be a player. You know, that's... There's more to the story. There's more to the story, definitely. Great. Oh, well, look, Tomislav, that's some very interesting stuff. Thanks for being nice and open. And it was interesting. I look forward to seeing some new players that you sign. And remember, if you get any from Functional Tennis, I want to know about it. <laughs> we'll, we'll discuss right. it, definitely. But no, it was a pleasure. Pleasure talking to you today, Fabio. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Thomas Love. I can't wait to book my tickets for you, Mag. Until next week, goodbye.